TII item 380, January 26, 2016, iOS 9.2.1 and tvOS 9.1.1 plus Apple Q4 2015 quarterly Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Golly! Oh, yeah. My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of who I am. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is the Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Jimmy for sending in the music you hear in the background. Jimmy wrote, I can't say enough good things about your podcast. Thank you so much for the work you're doing and for the community that has grown around it. Both helped me free me from languishing in dreaded Androidville, and along with my iPhone 6S and my iPad Air 32 gig, I am enjoying great shaves, compliments of my Harry's razors that I learned about on your podcast and my wife got me for Christmas. This is a song I did in GarageBand on my iPad using an Apogee Jam as the interface for my R8 Les Paul. It's called Coffee Marks and was inspired by Andy Latimer of Camo, if you like it, please feel free to use it on the show. I do music strictly as a hobby these days and do not expect any financial compensation for its use. Thanks also for admittance to the Google Plus community. Hopefully this tune and a few others I have in the pipe will assist you in keeping your truly stellar show rolling for a while. Cheers and best regards, Jimmy Stockstill, Petal, Mississippi. Well, thanks, Jimmy, for the music and the very kind words. And folks, I will put the full song at the end of the episode. I also want to thank Zachary for sending in the artwork for today's show. Zachary wrote the following. Hi, Rob. I used the red Apple logo iPhone wallpaper and added a text using the Instasize app. Thanks for the awesome podcast. Sincerely, Zachary Stubbs. Well, thanks, Zachary, for sending in this artwork. And folks, you can see Zachary's artwork in the free TI app via the bonus button for episode 380 or at Instagram.com slash Today in iOS, and also as a standalone post in the VIP section and at Facebook.com slash Today in iOS. If you have some artwork and or music you have created on your iOS device that you would like to share with the audience, please email to me at todayinios at gmail.com. Please make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote, quote, Steve Jobs' blockbuster keynote address at last week's Macworld was brilliantly and powerfully delivered. One of his best ever was also a colossal mistake. I think Jobs blew it. Here are my six reasons why. One, Jobs raised buyer expectations too high. Two, Jobs raised Wall Street expectations too high. Three, Jobs gave competitors a head start. Four, Jobs undermined Apple TV hype. Five, Jobs put iPod sales at risk. Six, Jobs wrecked Cisco talks. Unquote. Mike Elgin, Computer World, 18th of January, 2007. Funny thing is, now Wall Street is opining for another blew it like this product and really put iPod sales at risk? Yes, but only because they are being replaced by iPhone sales. Apple has been willing to sacrifice one product line for another new one. Or, as they once said, it is better to obsolete one of our products with another one of our products rather than have someone else do it. That is something most companies cannot and do and are not willing to do. And Apple TV hype? Wow. Just saying. Sadly, no new promo codes this week. Bag Barker, are you if you have a paid app or iBook and did not send in those codes? And our normal quick reminder, if you are an app dev or an iBook author, email me if you want your app 
or iBook featured in the promo giveaway segment for free. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com and please include a 60-second or less audio review of your app or iBook indicating you are the dev or the author. Also, when you send in the promo codes, please make sure to let me know when they expire. Today's episode is one of my normal quarterly report episodes, which means on Monday night, which is right now, I am recording this, or at least most of this, and then I will stop recording this near the end of the show and stop for the part where we're going to talk about what happens in Apple's quarterly report on Tuesday. So everything you hear up until we talk about the quarterly report is recorded on Monday, and if there's any breaking news on Tuesday, it probably did not get into this episode, unless it's really, really big breaking news, in which case we'll put it after we talk about the quarterly report. And that said, let's get into the news. Apple finally released the Goldmaster of iOS 9.2.1. If you are not a jailbreaker and not a beta tester, then it is good or a very good time now for you to go ahead and update to 9.2.1. As with most double dot updates, this one squashes bugs, man, as well as security improvements and MDM server issues fixes. We previously reported that 9.2.1 betas were bug fixes and bug fixes to bug fixes and security, and that is about all. Both betas had good reports on stability overall, and 9.2.1 Goldmaster is also getting good reports for stability. But it seems one thing people missed in the betas is that if you have an iPhone 4S or iPhone 5, 9.2.1 offers a very nice speed bump versus other versions of iOS 9. If you have an iPhone 4S, my son, or an iPhone 5, this is definitely the update you have been looking for. The only negative reports I have heard are from a few users, a small number, that did the over-the-air update and reported battery life issues, but it seems if they then did a full restore via iTunes that fixed the issues, others reported just doing the reset network settings after force quitting apps fixed the issue. Point is, those doing updates to 9.2.1 via iTunes and their computer are not seeing the battery life issue, and only a small, small number doing the -the over-the-air updates had any issue. Per the question, uh, can you update to iOS 9.2.1 now? Yes. Release the hounds and update to iOS 9.2.1 once you can via iTunes and avoid the -the over-the-air update if you can. As always, make sure to back up before you update, as I always recommend. Force quit your open apps, do a reset network settings, back up, then do the update. Look for the PDF in the TI app under Episodes for PDFs for my recommended procedure for updating. As an FYI, I am running the iOS 9.3 Beta 1 now, and wow, it is really, really stable, and I am loving it. So the next 9.3, once they go to Goldmaster on that, that'll be a, that should be a good one as well. But more on that on future episodes. Apple also had another double dot update. This one earlier this week, and it is tvOS 9.1.1. And normally, double dot updates are bug fixes or security fixes. But this double dot update actually brought back something, and that is the podcast app is now on the Apple TV 4th Gen. On the last episode, we talked about how the tvOS 9.2 Beta 1 had the podcast app and folders and Bluetooth keyboard support. Well, those latter two did not make it in this double dot update. But again, podcast app did. So make sure to go in there and subscribe to Today in iOS on your Apple TV 4th Gen when you see the new podcast app up on your 4th Gen Apple TV. You know, just so you can make sure it's working right, not because I want you to drive up my numbers or anything. Thanks, Apple, for correcting that major oversight 
without having the podcast app in there. It's, it's nice to see you still giving us podcasters some love. Apple also had a few press releases last week. One of them had Apple kissing up to the EU. I, I mean, opening Europe's first iOS app dev center in Italy. From the press release, quote, Apple today announced the creation of Europe's first iOS app development center in Italy to give students practical skills on training on developing iOS apps for the world's most innovative and vibrant app ecosystem. The iOS app development center to be located at a partner institution in Naples will support teachers and provide a specialized curriculum preparing thousands of future developers to be part of Apple's thriving developer community. In addition, Apple will work with partners around Italy who deliver developer training to complement this curriculum and create additional opportunities for students. Apple expects to expand this program to other countries around the world, unquote. And then Tim Cook had the following to add in the press release, quote, Europe is home to some of the most creative developers in the world, and we're thrilled to be helping the next generation of entrepreneurs in Italy get the skills they need for success. The phenomenal success of the App Store is one of the driving forces behind the more than 1.4 million jobs Apple has created in Europe and presents unlimited opportunities for people of all ages and businesses of all sizes across the continent, unquote. Then Apple had some blurbs about how they are a powerful engine of growth across Europe with 1.2 million jobs attributed to the Apple app ecosystem. And the European app devs have earned well over 10.2 billion euros from selling their apps around the world. The PR seemed to really read like one major kiss up to the EU as they currently are looking at finding Apple quite a bit of money for possible underpaid taxes due to the Irish tax loopholes, which is a whole bunch of really boring news articles that I have not touched on before. But I mention now because while it's great Apple is doing this dev center, and even greater if you're in Italy, it really did read like a major kiss up. Just saying. As I mentioned, Apple had a few PRs last week. One of the other ones was titled, New Music Apps from Apple Transform iOS Devices into Handheld Studios for Songwriters and Beatmakers. And let me read from the PR. Quote, Apple today announced a new addition and a major update to its family of music-making apps for iOS that make it easy for people to tap into their musical potential and create incredible music no matter where they are. An all-new app called Music Memos lets musicians and songwriters quickly capture, organize, and develop their musical ideas right on their iPhone. And a major update to GarageBand for iOS introduces multiple new features, including live loops a fun way for anyone to make music like a DJ using only their iPhone or iPad, unquote. If you are a songwriter, this is a cool new app, and you should definitely check out the new Music Memos app, which is priced to move at free and available now for download in the iOS App Store. And here's the more detailed description for the app from the App Store. Quote, Music Memo is the easiest way for songwriters to capture and organize new musical ideas. Use your iPhone, iPad, or iPod Touch to record acoustical guitar, piano, voice, or any musical instrument as high-quality, uncompressed audio. Then name, tag, and rate your ideas to start building a library of all your favorite new song parts and riffs. Music Memos automatically detects your tempo, rhythmic feel, and chords and lets you instantly hear your musical idea accompanied by a rhythm section with realistic drums and bass. View the chords you've played and add comments and lyrics or share your recording with friends or directly to the Apple Music Con Connect. And it's easy to take your favorite ideas into GarageBand to add more instruments and continue building your song, unquote. 
So what I'm looking for is someone to send in a song where you have used the New Music Memos app to help in the creation thereof. And not just send in a said song, but also comment on your thoughts of the app. I know quite a few of you that listen and make songs. We've had over 300 plus submitted by you to prove that. So musicians, let me know your thoughts on the new Music Memos app, 206-666-6364. That's 206 Moondog. Record your thoughts and email them to me at todayinios at gmail.com. Just don't use the Music Memos app to record it and send it as it's uncompressed, which means it will be one big old file. I want to do a quick shout out to Harry's. They're actually not sponsoring this episode, but Valentine's Day is coming up, ladies. And just wanted to tell you, if you use promo code TII, you can save $5 on your purchase for that man in your life. Make sure to order the aftershave um, lotion as well. My wife says it makes me smell hot. Again, not an ad, just a reminder. Go to harrys.com and use promo code TII and get one of your Valentine's Day gifts taken care of. Hello, Rob. It's Ben from Montreal, Canada. You remember I left a message not very long ago about my phone would, uh, let's say, lock after one minute, even though I set a lock for two minutes. And I know there's been several people replying to my requests, different versions, and I really appreciate that. But here's the real good answer I can give you right now about this and it's not a problem actually it's it's made it's built this way so if your phone is on the home screen your phone knows it and it will lock after one minute even though you set it up for two minutes now if you are in uh, in one application and you leave it on the counter you don't touch it the phone knows you are in an application and it will lock after two minutes see that's why they call them smartphones they are made to save your battery. All right. Take good care, Rob. All right. Bye-bye. Ben, thanks for the heads up on that. And finally getting to an answer on what was going on. And I did test that and put it at two minutes and put it to the home screen. And sure enough, at 40 seconds, the screen dimmed. And at 60 seconds, screen turned off. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. I have seen low power mode on iPhone. And a pop-up comes at 20% asking if the phone shall be set into low power mode. And once in low power mode, the iPhone does not go back to normal power mode till the battery is charged top up to about 85%. And remember if it's 80 or 85 exactly, it does not get stuck in low power mode, but it does take long, at least 85% or 80% charge to get out of it, leading to the belief that it is stuck. When we expect the phone to return to normal operation at a little above 20% charge, waiting till 80 or 85% does seem like a long time. We can always get out of low power mode from settings battery, but yes, it does actually stay there until you get to the top up range. Regards, Golzar Abu Dhabi. Golzar, thank you for that tip. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. First, it seems that iOS 9 in iOS 9, it became possible to dictate on an iOS device in airplane mode. I am pretty sure before this time, dictation required an internet connection. If what I say is true, why haven't I heard this anywhere? And my rhetorical question, why oh why does not the Apple Store app use Touch ID? I mean, really, regards, Kevin Barry. Well, Kevin, on that latter point, yes, I know. And it was rhetorical, so I guess I didn't have to really answer it. For the former Bart, well, Kevin, on my iPhone 6 Plus, when in airplane mode, the ability to dictate is gone. 
in the Notes app. However, on my iPad Pro, you are correct. Go to airplane mode and dictation still works fine. So this looks like it is an A9 processor feature more so than an iOS 9 feature. But either way, you are correct. I've not heard this feature mentioned elsewhere. Thanks, Kevin, for the heads up on that. Folks, if you have an iPhone 6S or 6S Plus, let us know if you can dictate when in airplane mode. Again, for my iPhone 6 Plus, I could not, but the iPad Pro, I could. Hello, Rob. Ron in Albuquerque, New Mexico. With response to uh, episode 379 at about 52 minute point, one of your listeners was trying to find a way that he could tap on a mail link and make the default open up Outlook, I believe the Outlook app on the iPhone, instead of the native mail app. And it seems to me a much better way to go about doing that would be to go to the Settings app, Mail Contacts Calendar, and where you add an account, Outlook is one of the options for setting up the native mail app so that when the user tapped on a mail link, the native mail app would open and he could be set up with the Outlook service. Perhaps that can help your other listener. Ron, thanks for that feedback. Hey, another place where we have lots of feedback is in our Google Plus community. We are now well over 2,500 members in our Google Plus community and growing. Thanks to everyone that has joined and thanks for the great posts. One new post for in the Google Plus community that went up since the last episode came was from Amico Friend who posted the following, quote, my son plays guitar and he is really enjoying the new Apple Music Memos app. He records his guitar part and the app will add bass and drum parts. Really fun, unquote. From Karthik M, quote, I love it. Great to see this new app from Apple. I just sing something and it adds drums and bass, unquote. Thanks both for that feedback. And since the last episode, there were also dozens and dozens of other new posts and comments in the TII Google Plus community, which is an Android fanboys free zone and spammer free zone. Yep, it is most civil Google Plus community covering iOS. Folks, go to todayinios.com slash community to join in. And thanks to all 2,500 plus of you already in the community and contributing. Also from the Google Plus community was this post from Patrick McCann. Quote, just upgraded from a 6 plus to a 6S plus a couple of weeks ago and also updated to 9.2.1. I have not been able to get Siri to complete any task I ask it to do. I ask Siri to call my wife, and it tries but comes back with, sorry, something gone wrong. Or if I ask it to set a timer, it says setting timer, but nothing actually happens. I've tried looking this up, and the only thing I found was an article from September 2015 addressing Bluetooth and Siri issues. Tells you to do a hard reset on the phone by holding down the home and lock buttons. Did this and it worked, but a few hours later it was back to not completing tasks. I did the hard reset one more time yesterday, and of course today Siri is not completing tasks. I really don't want to keep doing the hard resets on my phone. Has anyone else experienced this and fixed it, or is it a bug with 9.2.1? Oh, and also tried reset network settings, no dice. Please help Patrick in Omaha, unquote. Gary Belt suggested the following, quote, since the device is only a few weeks old, I'm going to hope that you don't haven't accumulated a lot of information you can't afford to lose. I would try back up to your computer and do a restore and then set it up as a new device, unquote. 
To which Patrick replied, quote, okay, I just finished the backup, erase phone, set up as a new phone, did a quick test of Siri, and it worked perfectly. Used Hey Siri and holding the home button methods to activate Siri, no problems. Restored from my backup, and so far, so good. I'm testing it every time I change a setting, but I think the problem was related to setting up the phone originally at the Apple Store. Not what you would call a tech expert or anything, but I know my wife and I had an unusual wait for the update and Wi-Fi restore from backup when we upgraded. Thanks for all your help. Love this community, Patrick and Omaha. Unquote. And again, thanks to everyone that's contributing into the Google Plus community for the TII show. Apple has basically walked away, given up on iEds. Essentially, Apple wanted iEds to work where a lot of the personal info of the users was not given up. But advertisers, they seem to like Google's business model, which is simply users are sheep and we like to shear our sheep. So not surprisingly, advertisers flock to the company with little to absolutely no regards to the user's privacy and away from the company that tried to support the end users. And advertisers thought they were getting the last laugh when Apple announced it was basically abandoning iAds. Except it might be Apple that gets the last laugh by supplying more and more tools to allow the end users to block more and more ads. Oops! Advertisers did not see that one coming. Apple's goal is simply to make the end user experience and their ecosystem the best possible. And that means allowing users to block and strip away those items that slow down the browsing experience. There is a very good article from Daniel Aaron Dilger at Apple Insider that goes over this in greater detail, much greater detail, but really can be summed up as I just put it. Google sided with advertisers. Apple sided with users when it came to privacy. Advertisers then sided with Google, and that left iAds to flounder. And now that iAds is basically iToast, it leaves Apple open to add and allow more tools that will enhance privacy of users and the whole end-user experience much, much more. If you are on an iOS device and hit a site like iMore or Android Central, and you have content blockers enabled, the sites load quickly. If you don't, or you're on an Android device, the site's load time is pathetic, and lots of data is used when it should not be and does not need to be. Expect even more user-friendly, advertiser-adverse improvements to iOS in the near future, now that Apple has nothing holding it back, and really a big incentive to make their ecosystem even better when compared to Android. Let's get into the rumors of the next iPhone that will be announced. And right now, the announcement looks, according to the rumors, to be in the March timeframe, with some saying late March and others saying early April for the launch. This new iPhone is not the iPhone 7, but rather the long-sought-after updated 4-inch iPhone. Some are calling it the iPhone 6C. Others are calling it the 5SE. 9to5Mac is saying the case will be the same as 5S, with the internals a mix between the iPhone 6 and 6S. One thing is certain, the video BGR claimed was the next 4-incher was definitely not. Even though BGR said, quote, in a nutshell, this is exactly what we'd expect a 4-inch iPhone to look like. The only thing missing, obviously, is an official Apple confirmation, unquote. As I always say, BGR is just plain horrible when it comes to i-something rumors. As Mac Rumor said, no, those photos and video were not the, uh, the next iPhone 4-incher. It was just the iPhone 6S. You can tell that by just looking at the spacing of the speaker holes to the lightning port and the pendulum screws. It is the same as the 6S. If it was the smaller version, everything would have been compressed closer together. Photos proven a fake 
done, so no BGR. It is not exactly what we would expect. Per the features that the rumor mill is expecting, there'll be an upgraded camera the same as what's in the iPhone 6. Apple Pay support, a barometer for tracking elevation in the health app, support for larger panoramas, autofocus for video recording, Bluetooth 4.2, Wi-Fi chips would be the same as with the 6S, live photos as well, and the A8 M8 chips that are now in the 6. Now, I have seen other rumors that said, nope, it will be the A9 chip and not the A8. Per the case, again, some rumors say basically the same case as the 5S. Others say it will it's the same basic dimensions of the 5S, but with curved edges that look like the 6 and the 6 Plus lines. Here's the thing. I'm not sure how in the same rumor, <laughs> which is what happened with one of these, you can say the case will be curved like the 6, 6 Plus, and the processor of the 6, and live photos, but it'll be called the 5SE. It just seems if it looks and acts like a 6 and a 6S, then it'll be called a 6C or 6-something. Again, almost all rumors have an event to announce it being in March, and then rumors are split with some saying a late March release and others saying an April release. Point is this, if you are holding out hope for a new 4-incher, regardless of what it's called, in about four to six weeks, we should be getting word of an Apple event to announce said device, if the latest rumors are to be believed. Speaking of rumors, one rumor that's picking up steam in the last couple of weeks is that around Li-Fi. No, not Wi-Fi, Li-Fi, L-I-F-I. Li-Fi allows high-speed data transfer through visible light. Li-Fi can allow for data speeds up to 1 gigabytes per second with a theoretical top speed of 224 gigabits per second, or around 100 times faster than Wi-Fi's theoretical top. Why is this rumor picking up steam? Well, it seems in the code for iOS 9.1, there is a reference to Li-Fi capability. Now, this does not mean it'll be in the iPhone 7 or 7S or 8 or even 8S, just that Apple is likely doing some testing. Now, while Li-Fi at 100 times the speed of Wi-Fi sounds great, you need to remember it does require line of sight to communicate. That means no signals going through walls or your pocket. So likely, Li-Fi will become a complementary technology with Wi-Fi and use just-in-line-of-sight applications. Well, like really, it's all it can be used is in line-of-sight applications. My guess is we are looking at three to four years for a rollout. Line-of-sight-only communication has just too many drawbacks for everyday use, and Wi-Fi will remain the primary indoor data connection method for years to come. Still, always nice to see Apple working on new tech. One of the rumors about the iPhone 7 we have been mentioning is the removal of the headphone jack, something I said on the last episode is starting to seem more and more likely. Well, now comes word that hidden in the cone of iOS 9 can be found some evidence that points to that possibility. The code says headphones.have.input.no. Some say this is a smoking gun that the iPhone 7 will drop the headphone jack. Of course, those same people are saying this is because it will allow Apple to reduce the thickness by one millimeter from the current 7.3 millimeter thickness, which sounds logical until you stop and think about, hey, Rob, did you not just disapprove that logic a while back when you talked about the iPad Nano, which has a headphone jack and is just 4.5.4 uh, millimeters thick? Why, yes, yes, I did. Back on episode 374, I think it was. Yes, yes, I'm leaning to the no headphones rumor jack but going to the lightning port and wireless 
for connections headphones, but not because of thickness issues. As Apple has already shown, it can pretty much be pretty thin and thinner than the iPhone 7 will be with a headphone jack. Um, additionally, there will have to be a lightning to 3.5 millimeter adapter made available. And the next iPhone will not ship with wireless headphones. That was one of the other rumors, but rather lightning to earbud um, type connection. Why? There is still the issue that wireless headphones are one, <laughs> much more expensive to make, and two, not as user-friendly in that they ha you have to charge them. Obviously, with the Beats division, there is likely to be other new headphones announced when the iPhone 7 is announced, but I would see any wireless headphones or the iPhone being announced as an optional item aftermarket that you buy later, and that the iPhone will ship with a lightning to earbuds headphones. You have to love this next one. Seems some of Google's secrets were accidentally revealed in court case they have that's ongoing with Oracle. One of the documents said, quote, highly confidential, attorney's eyes only, unquote. And then the Oracle attorney went and blurted out what was highly confidential. Oh! Well, dough for them and Google, but gold for us. One nugget we learned is that Google paid Apple $1 billion, that's with a B, dollars, to have Google as the default search engine in Safari and iOS, and that seems to be for a year. Android has produced $31 billion in sales and $22 billion in profit since 2008 for Google. Since 2008. That's really not a big number. I mean, $31 billion in sales and revenue and $22 billion in profit since 2008. Let's put that in perspective. Apple will do more than that for revenue in one quarter and more than that in profits in two quarters, maybe more than that last quarter alone for both. Thanks, Oracle, for putting that info out there and for us to put that into perspective. And again, who's winning this smartphone battle when... Apple will have more profits and more revenue in two quarters and maybe even in one quarter than Google has had in 30 plus quarters combined. Wow. Yeah, Rob, I was listening to your, your latest episode about the next iPhone being waterproof. Um, I have an iPhone 6 and I was giving my son a bath and uh, all of a sudden I heard a noise and then I looked down and my uh, iPhone 6 is just hanging out the, at the bottom of the bathtub and I quickly, of course, picked it up and went and threw it in a bag of rice for about an hour, but then realized, like, hey, I need my phone. I get a lot of texts and emails that I have to reply to, and I just uh, went ahead and turned it on, and sure enough, it's worked ever since. Never had an issue with it, so there must be a little bit of waterproofing in there, but I'm not sure how much. And no, I'm not going to try it again. But yeah, it's, I've had a, that happen about, I don't know, two or three months ago, and haven't had an issue since. Thanks for everything you do. Let's just say this, you got very lucky because the iPhone 6 is not the one where they actually added in a little bit of waterproofing. It's the 6S and 6S Plus where they added in the basically washers around the connectors to help with waterproofing. More than likely what happened is you got it quick enough, water didn't get a chance to seep in, probably air bubbles around where the water could get in and the pressure isn't that great in a bathtub. So you got lucky and just leave it at that. Back into the email bag. Hi, Rob. Do you know if there is any native or third-party app way to tag photos to make them more easily searchable? 
I feel like every time I want to find a photo, it would be so much easier if I could search by keywords rather than swiping through hundreds of thumbnails. I know I can sort by date, but it take I take so many photos and videos, it takes forever to find anything, any suggestions. Two, I'm a daily commuter, much like many of your listeners probably are too, and during my one and a half hour drive each way, I hit a few dead zones and same place every day. The signal only drops for a few seconds or minutes at most, so I think the signal is still there, just too weak for the phone, uh, for a phone call or a stream or whatever I'm listening to. I was wondering if you or your listeners had any suggestions for a signal enhancer in the car. A few years ago, you didn't mention a signal booster for cars, but I was hoping over the past few years there has been something new and better. I'd love to get an actual recommendation from happy users. Um, I've always been skeptical about these types of things actually working. Regards, Eric. Well, Eric, for that second one, I'm going to have to throw that out to the audience. Anybody out there that has any recommendations for Eric on a signal booster for your car to help improve your car as you're driving through some dead, quote-unquote, dead zones, let us know, give us a call, shoot us an email. And for the first one, you know, what I do is I bring everything into my MacBook, and then I use the faces feature to flag them, and then you can do that. So I like the Photos app for flagging and tagging emails, uh, photos, excuse me, on my Mac, though. That's where I do it. I don't actually do it on my my smartphone because I'm also bringing in pictures from my wife's smartphone and from the iPads and other kids' smartphones. So I bring everything into photos on the Mac, and then I use the face recognition to do that, and then I also tag some photos and other stuff. And, And then you have moments, and there's other things in there that really help. So my recommendation, if you have a Mac, Use the Photos app on the Mac to really do all that. But if anybody else has any suggestions that they have used on an iOS device, an app on an iOS device, or on Windows, let us know what you would recommend to Eric for doing this. Or Eric, excuse me, don't want to mispronounce your name because that would be the first time I ever did that to somebody. As always, email that feedback in todayinios at gmail.com or give us a call 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Back to you, my bag. Hi, Rob. I just thought I'd write in my thoughts on the new Apple TV. This is actually my first Apple TV. I got it for Christmas, so I've had it for a month now. My only complaint, which isn't really even an Apple issue, is that the CBS app is garbage. They want you to pay for a full access subscription, even if you already have a cable subscription. That is the only network that does that. I already have Verizon Fios and do not plan on double paying. It would be nice when Amazon drops their native video app but AirPlay takes care of that. Nicely speaking of AirPlay, that is a fantastic feature. AirPlaying video works great and is simple to do from any iOS device or Mac, not to mention AirPlay mirroring being very nice. My wife and I were surfing the web for snowblowers and it was so easy to use to see web pages and watch video reviews stream from my iPad to the TV. I only downloaded a handful of apps, but the experience is pretty nice. It'll be great when the App Store gets more apps, but for a fledgling device, you can't really complain. I downloaded Just Dance Now for my wife and kids. We have several, about five for the the Wii, but my wife has two major complaints. One, having to swap discs for different songs, and two, the difficulty pointing the Wii remote when trying to work out. With the Apple TV version, you use the Siri remote, which is much easier to control, plus... For just $30 a year, we have access to the entire 200-plus song library that spans multiple games. 
a really nice offering. Netflix and the ability to stream purchased iTunes content to include digital copy versions that come with many Blu-ray discs totally makes it worth it. I'm very satisfied. Customer regards Lou V. Well, thanks, Lou, for that feedback. And here's a voicemail talking about Apple TV from Shannon. Hey, Rob, it's Shannon in Fountain Hills. Just wanted to uh, send you a quick message. I uh, I got to be honest. Usually, uh, I love your podcasts, of course, and I love listening to all the listener questions and, and, more importantly, the listener answers. But typically, when you talk about either the Apple TV or the iPod, or I'm sorry, well, the iPods as well, the Apple TV, the iPods, and the uh, iPads, I, I just kind of zone out a little bit because I don't have any of those devices. I'm uh, My family just has all iPhones, and then I have, of course, a MacBook Pro, and that was kind of it. But then, much to my surprise, Christmas Day, uh, my son got us a brand spanking new Apple TV 4, and uh, I just couldn't believe it. It's like the best Christmas ever. Totally surprised, didn't know it was coming. Unbelievably happy. Just love everything about it. The remote is, yeah, it's a little small. It's a little slippery. It's kind of hard to tell which direction it's pointing. But uh, it's growing on me. I'm getting used to it. I'm just loving everything about Apple TV, the way it's easy to rewind, all of the cool apps we can get on it. Anyway, you know, I, I get this new Apple TV 4, and then, um, I don't know, what was it, a couple days after Christmas, you released episode 378, and oh, I was just so excited to listen to it, and here you talk about the new the Apple TV and the tips and the tricks and the hints, and I don't think you mentioned the Apple TV once on episode 378. So, no big deal, whatever, you know, we move on. Uh, then, just a couple days ago, uh, episode 379 comes out, and I was certain you'd talk about some tips and tricks or whatever. And, then, of course, you mentioned a little bit about the update the, the, that's in beta right now and the, the cover for the for the remote, which I do appreciate because I think I'll order that myself. But either way, I'm, I'm, I even told my wife, I said, I can't believe it. I've actually got an Apple TV now, and he won't talk about it. So, anyway, oh, well. I just wanted to touch base with you and uh, let you know I've got the Apple TV and I'm loving it. And uh, let's talk more about that now. So, uh, oh yeah, one more thing. Daniel from Wizbeach. Everybody who's trying to get him to stay, I don't know why. If he wants to go, let him go. He'll find out in his own time, in his own way. He'll come back just like a kid that leaves a home too soon, you know. We'll be here welcoming, welcoming him back home. So, you know, he wants to go, let him go. Anyway, that's all I need. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate your show. Goodbye. Hi, Shannon. Well, here's a little tip for you on the Apple TV. If you have Amazon Prime, there is no Amazon Prime app for Apple TV yet. However, you can open the Amazon Video app on your iOS device and then select AirPlay for your Apple TV, as Lou mentioned a few minutes ago. And then you can use your Apple TV fourth gen remote to pause and play the video that is playing. No need to control it from the iOS device anymore. So yes, the Apple TV remote will actually start and stop video once you start it over on your iOS device and select AirPlay. Lately, me and the wife have been bulk watching Downton Abbey via Amazon Prime, and we just finished season two, but we have been watching on our TV via the Apple TV and the Amazon video app on my iPhone 6 Plus. So there is your Apple TV tip for this episode. And if you have not gotten Amazon Prime, I do recommend it, if for nothing else, the Man on the High Castle, and for those with the older Apple TVs that experienced lots of lags and delays using AirPlay in the past, that's gone with the Apple TV 4th Gen. It just works great. It really, really works great for AirPlay. Into the email bag. Hi, Rob. I was having an issue with the iCloud Sync not working anymore with my Outlook on my Windows 7 laptop. This website helped fix the issue. 
I want to share this in case there are others just living with this problem. And the website is slipstick.com slash outlook iCloud and outlook dash problems. And well, anyway, look for the link in the show notes titled iCloud and Outlook Sync Problems and Solutions for episode 380 over today and iOS.com. And thanks, Thomas and Tescaloosa, for that. And congratulations on your, again, another national championship. Hello, Rob. Jeff Parmer, the magician here from greatmagic.com. Uh, I've got an interesting question for you. I spend a, about two or three days a week on my boat out to sea, and so thus do not have a regular Wi-Fi connection with, you know, unlimited, like a home-style internet. So I'm, you know, stuck using cellular-based data, and I'm trying to figure out how to use my, like, say my iPad, I have an unlimited we all know what that means, but I guess it means 22 gigs of high speed with AT&T before they slow you down. But 22 gigs is 22 gigs, right? So I'd like to be able to stream data from, say, Netflix using my, you know, my data protocol to bring the media into the iPad. But I would like to be able to mirror that on my Apple TV and, you know, so or some other some other Wi-Fi, you know, even if I put a Wi-Fi device on the boat, you know, that was not was not Apple TV because Apple TV says it needs to have a, uh, an internet connection to work. The pro I guess the main problem I'm asking the, the listeners or you is can you access your streaming data through your cellular and yet somehow connect via Wi-Fi to like your television? Because once you connect, you know, once I connect my iPad to Wi-Fi, well, the Wi-Fi on my boat is not connected to the internet. So then it can't go get the data that I need, you know? So it's a catch 22 kind of thing. I hope, it, I hope you understand the question. I love the program. I appreciate your community. Take care. Bye. Hi, Jeff. Yep, I understand what you're asking. And nope, ain't going to work. I went ahead and I tried where I took my Wi-Fi in my house and I disconnected the data to it and then tried to airplay a video that I um, was doing through Amazon Prime. The problem is, as you figured, is the Catch-22. Yes, if you have an iOS device on the Wi-Fi and your Apple TV on the Wi-Fi, if there's something native that you don't have to get data for, you can go ahead and supply that to your Apple TV. But if it's a case where you need to get data, like Netflix, the problem is you no longer have a data connection because it defaults to Wi-Fi and it's trying to get the data from Wi-Fi, even though you have a good cellular connection. And even if you select Wi-Fi Assist, where cellular data is supposed to help with a poor Wi-Fi signal, it doesn't. So I tried that. Even with Wi-Fi Assist, it didn't work. So yes, you're on a catch-22. Yes, you can communicate with the Apple TV via Wi-Fi, but if the Wi-Fi has no data connection, your iOS device is going to tell you you can't get internet connection because it's going to default and go to the, the Wi-Fi as long as the Wi-Fi is turned on. And if you turn the Wi-Fi off, then you can't talk to Apple TV. So simple answer is, nope, that's not going to work. Or at least I should say, nope, it didn't work when I tried to test it out. If anyone else has done something similar to what Jeff is asking for, how did you do it if you were able to get it to work? Give us a call, shoot us an email, let us know what you did. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. David from South Florida, longtime listener from the very first show. I have a problem and hope you or my fellow listeners can help. I have these four women living with me and just wish they would all talk to each other. There's Xfinity and Alexa. They never talk. Siri sometimes talks to Alexa, but they don't communicate easily. 
And then there's this newest woman in my life, Erin. She's always in my ears telling me something, telling me what Siri is saying. I would love it if Alexa, Xfinity could talk to each other and I could use Siri to control both of them. Erin's already in my ear, so if Alexa could talk to her, that would be cool as well. Thanks for any help. Xfinity TV and security system, Alexa by Amazon, Siri by my Apple TV and iOS devices, and Aaron wireless in-ear Bluetooth earbuds. Regards, again, David from South Florida. Well, David, I just don't think one man is supposed to live with that many women under one roof. But if anybody has a solution for David, and really, I'm not even sure what the question is, but if anyone does have a solution for David, let us know. Hi, Rob. Where is the best place to buy refurbished iPhone 6S for AT&T? I have a 5S now, and what's the advantage to unlocking? Regards, Nick. Hello, Nick. Per where to get refurbished iPhone 6S at this time. Only Apple is likely to have any refurbished iPhone 6S, and it's unlikely they have any of them available yet. That said, if anyone knows where to get any refurbished iPhone 6S, especially for AT&T, please email or call in landfill per unlocking the iPhone 5S, you should be able to get it unlocked from your original carrier, assuming you met your contract obligation, which you should have if you got it when it first launched. If so, then the advantage is you can take it to one of the low-cost MBNOs like Ting.com to get a much, much lower cost monthly for your plans. So that's the big advantage unlocking it is that you can really save a bunch of money for your data plans and your cellular plans each month we're going for someone like Ting.com or other MVNOs like that. Back, back to email bag. Rob, I have been getting this message that my iPhone has not been backed up in 115 weeks. I have synced my iPhone many times to iTunes and can't figure out why I keep receiving this. Any ideas? Happy New Year's, Rick, East Haven, Connecticut. Uh, and Rob takes his fingers and he scratches his head. Goes, nope, no idea on that one. So throwing it out to the audience. If anyone can help Rick, let us know. And then also an email bag. Hi, Rob. Is there a way to get daily notifications on iOS and Apple Watch to let me know when I should leave to get to work at a certain time based on traffic and weather conditions? Regards, Kevin. Ooh, that would be cool. So your application is basically monitoring, and it knows what your path is each day, and then it looks and figures out based on reported traffic delays and patterns when you should leave the house. If there isn't an app like that, there should be. Um, but maybe Waze or some other app can do that. If anyone is using an app like this, let us know which one you use and, and how accurate and how often um, do you actually wind up late because you listen to it. Let us know the app name and, and how well it works. 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or shoot an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Hi, Rob. This is A.G. in Washington, and I'm a longtime listener, and I'm super happy that you weekly put out a podcast that helps me keep up to date on my iOS issues. I have a question for you and the listening audience, and that is about the upgrades that are required to keep our iOS and our macOS running smoothly. Right now, I'm using a Fujitsu ScanSnap setup to keep my paperless office running, thanks to uh, Max Sparky and some of his cohorts. I really feel like I've got a good system going. But unfortunately, with the upgrades needed for the Mac OS and the iOS on my iPad and my iPhone, I'm finding myself kind of 
caught in a trap. Yeah, just like Elvis, caught in a trap to a point where if I upgrade my Mac, my scanner will go offline and I can't access all the kinds of things that I'd like to in the way of cloud syncing if I update my iPad. I'd just really like to hear what the other listeners and what you think about this conundrum of needing to be up to date for security purposes, but making my really great pieces of equipment obsolete because they don't play nice together in the new environment. That's all for now. Thanks for listening, and I hope that we can get some interesting answers about how to deal with this problem. Have a great 2016. Looking forward to lots of episodes. Bye. AG, thanks for the voicemail message, and I'll throw that one out to the audience and see what their thoughts are on that. You know, I, I'm one that holds back on updating my Macs. I don't usually upgrade the Macs right away. A lot of that has to do with the fact that oftentimes certain apps like Levelator wasn't initially working. And there's other apps that I need for recording for the podcast itself that if plugins and things like that, that if I upgrade too soon, they don't work. I can't put a show out. So I always wait a few months minimum to upgrade. Matter of fact, I haven't even had the time yet to upgrade to um, El Capitan on my Mac yet. So I'm still back on Mavericks. So I'm one. It's probably not the best to ask on this because I'm type that, well, everything's working and I'm going to keep doing that. And I feel, at least for my needs, that everything working together trumps any potential security, potential issues. Because a lot of times those security issues are theoretical, whereas everything working together is practical. And and I have to go, with, hey, what's actually happening? So for me, at least, I'm someone that definitely holds off updating on the Mac side of things for a, a while. Uh, on the iOS side of things, though, I do tend to upgrade rather quickly on that, um, just because I have to for the show. Um, but that said, my wife's iPhone hasn't been upgraded because she gives me grief. So again, it's, it's, a, it's a trade-off on practical versus theoretical issues. And I tend to choose my, for myself the practical issues, and that's keeping everything working together. Folks, let me know your thoughts. 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOONDOG, or shoot an email to todayinios at gmail.com. This next one is for anyone that has ever sold an old smartphone. It is an article titled, Woman Shocked with Whopping 45000 Cell Phone Bill from Telus. Yikes. Seems a woman sold the phone via Craigslist and thought the phone was deactivated from her account with her carrier. It was not. The new owner then went and ran up major data overages in a three-month span. Um, yeah, I think $45,000 in overages, I guess you can call that major. Ridiculous is another word. The owner, again, thought the contract was over and closed. Clearly it was not, and she left her SIM card in the phone when she sold it. Big mistake. TELUS has waived the entire fee, so this person will not have to pay for it, but it is a lesson to be remembered. If you're selling your old iPhone, make sure you call your carrier and say you want the phone taken off your plan and get a confirmation number and make sure it is canceled. Plus, take out the SIM card. I'm starting to think politicians should not be allowed to draft tech bills. Any tech bills. There are currently two bills going through two different states, small states, mind you, just New York and California, which would prevent companies from selling its encryption-enabled phones in those states. 
California Bill, Bill 1681, put forth by California Assembly member Jim Cooper, would require a smartphone that is manufactured on or after January 1st, 2017 and sold in California to be capable of being decrypted and unlocked by its manufacturer or operating system provider. And there would be a penalty of $2,500 per each smartphone sold or leased that does not meet that requirement. First, let's get this straight. If you live in Assemblyman's Cooper's district and ever wanted to run for his office, I know a company in Cupertino that might just donate a wee bit to your campaign. Just saying. Apple is stridently, stringently, adamantly against allowing this, as it is now. iPhones would not be allowed to be sold in those states if the bill passed here, and then there's one in New York. If they were signed into law by the governors, if, by the way, they were signed into law by either governor or anyone in those state houses voted for it, yeah, like I said, I know a company in Cupertino, you might get a little bit of money from for your campaign if you run against anyone that supports or signs these bills. Laws that deliberately build in security vulnerability are bad laws, period. Staying on this topic, AT&T has been called the evil empire. And maybe it is not a coincidence that the AT&T logo looks like a Death Star. AT&T CEO Randall 1984 Stevenson believes that the tech companies should not decide if there's a backdoor built in. It is up to the government. Well, from Mr. 1984 Stevenson, quote, I don't think it's Silicon Valley's decision to make about whether encryption is the right thing to do, unquote. He thinks, again, it is up to the government. But as Tim Cook said many, many times lately, quote, you can't have a backdoor that's only for the good guys, unquote. I am sure AT&T's ardent support for allowing government to get into anyone's phone has nothing to do with their past dealings with the NSA when they helped the NSA illegally spy on American citizens. The whole idea of deliberately building in a security vulnerability and thinking that the bad guys will not abuse that, or even the quote good guys won't abuse that, is insane. Of course people will abuse it. Tim Cook knows this, and others in the tech industry know this, which is why pretty much everyone in the tech industry is against this except for Mr. 1984 Stevenson, CEO of AT&T. Speaking of AT&T, hi Rob, AT&T is now reintroducing unlimited talks text data plans, sort of, regards Todd P. So what does that sort of mean? Let me play this voicemail. Hi, Rob. This is Lee from Columbia, South Carolina. I'm calling because we're an AT&T customer, and I'm a longtime listener to the show and appreciate everything you do. We recently had a lot of data issues with our phones, and we were on a 30-gig plan. And I saw online where AT&T had started offering an unlimited plan again. And But there's a catch. You have to be a DirecTV subscriber also, which we already are. And we use a lot of data because we don't have home internet service. And so we were on that big plan and it was costing us quite a bit of money. And to find out that we could save some money by switching back to an unlimited plan was great. So I wanted to let everyone know if you're an AT&T customer and you've been waiting on unlimited data to come back, you can get it if you are a DirecTV customer also or are signing up for a new DirecTV account when you call. They can handle all that for you. Uh, I'm not going to get into pricing, but it saved us a lot of money, uh, and it is unlimited up to, they're not going to slow you down until you hit 22 gigs, and then even then, they're doing the same 
slow down process that they're doing with the old grandfather plans where it's only supposed to be for high network traffic areas in those specific times and then you're supposed to go back to full LTE service. So again, AT&T is offering unlimited data. We're very happy about it. We're going to let everybody know. Thanks. Have a great day. Lee and Todd, thanks for the heads up on that. And there is a link in the show notes. AT&T unlimited data plan is back. Just look for that link in the show notes for episode 380 and that'll give you more info on that. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. This may well be really basic stuff, but it's got me stumped. I got a MacBook Pro at Christmas, but when I update iOS apps on iTunes, they just don't sync to my iOS device. iPhone 5S and 6 Plus and AirPod and Touch, iTunes saying syncing transfers, being purchases, etc., but the updated versions of the apps aren't shifted from the MacBook to the iOS device. Is there an iOS 9 feature, or am I being stupid about this? Regards, Alf in Sheffield, UK. So Alf, what you're having the issue here is getting them from your iTunes to your iOS devices. And that should work. And what you need to do is with your iOS device connected, make sure you go and see that it is allowing that to sync the device and make sure it's connected in those apps that you want. Now you might have a check not to sync all apps and then you have to manually check which ones you want to sync over on the app side. You can't bring the apps back, though, from the iOS device if the apps were downloaded on the iOS device. They have to have been downloaded on iTunes, and then from iTunes you can sync them over. So you should be able to sync them over. Um, if you're having an issue on that, you know, check your settings again in iTunes when your iOS device is physically plugged in through the lightning cable to your USB port on your MacBook. Back to email bag. Hi, Rob. We have an iPhone 5 and iPhone 6, and we are having issues downloading videos. Photos download fine. Some videos come up with an error message, error downloading image. I am trying to download on a MacBook Air. Thanks in advance. Crystal are in Canada. Hi, Crystal. I have seen the same issue with just a couple of my videos. Not all of them, just a couple. And I'm not sure why or what caused the issue, most of my videos transfer over fine. All my new videos transfer over fine. It's just a few older videos that I have not been able to get to transfer via iPhoto to my computer. If anyone else has had this issue and found a fix, please help Crystal and me out with this issue. Give us a call, 206-666-6364. Just 206-MONE-DOG or email us today at ios at gmail.com. Hey, Rob. So just wanted to share a quick story with you about Apple and the new iPad Pro. So I told my wife that Rob on iOS got, oh, this is Scott from DC Caller. I told my wife that Rob from Today on iOS got an iPad Pro, and he says it's the best thing, and it's fabulous, and it's so great, and everything. So I said, okay. Um, I checked it out at the Apple Store, loved it, thought it was great, and it's huge, it's the graphics, everything. And I went home and I told my wife and I showed her pictures of it. And every time a commercial came on TV, I was like, that's what I want for Christmas. That's what I want for Christmas. So Christmas rolls around. And to my surprise, Christmas morning, I get an iPad Pro, 128-bit, the one with the cellular service and everything. So it was about, I guess, with the case and everything, about 1200 or 1300 whatever it was. And I, I, it was sitting on my bed and I looked at it and I was, so much, I'm so happy Rob has one, I have one. To make a long story short, I looked at it for about two days, and I said, I don't want it. I have 
the iPad first generation, I have the iPad 2, I have the iPad 3, and I have the iPad 2 Air. So in my house, I have four iPads. And I'm looking at this, and I'm playing with it, and I'm like, do I really need another iPad, no matter how big it is? Took it back to the Apple store, returned it. The guy was like, you can keep it for another 20 days. It's the Christmas holiday with for another 20 days. I said, no. Took it back, got the iPad Pro. I mean, I got a MacBook Pro maybe an extra 800 bucks, and I am tickled pink. Just to go to show you, I thought it was something I needed, but when I got it home and I played with it for two, two weeks or so, I realized that it would have been a fifth iPad in my house. And for what I need and my use, the MacBook Pro was really the best fit for me. So I understand what you mean when you say that it depends on your need and if you need it. But, hey, it was... It was nice while I had it, but I would never buy an iPad Pro right now. Just no need. Not when you have four or five in the house. Thanks, Rob. Enjoy everything you do. Take care. Scott, thank you for that feedback. Now, I do want to say this. I am still really loving my iPad Pro. It's fast. It's great. Uh, I've been working on it to make it my mobile setup for recording a podcast. My other one that I do, KC Startup 411. So when I start back, back up, I'm going to be using that to do everything on there. So from that perspective, it's really nice. The kids love it. They love the Apple Pencil and, and drawing pictures and that. And my one son now, he's talking about wanting to do comic books. There's a lot of neat things you can do with the iPad Pro. It's great for watching videos and things like that. But it's not for everything, and it's not for everybody. And you have to know your use case and how you're going to use it. And you already had a bunch of iPads already. So yeah, I can see why maybe it wouldn't work out for you. But I will say this. It is so fast. So, so fast. And it is so beautiful, and I really love it. But again, it's not for everybody, and it's not for every case. All right, Rob, at the end of your show, as you're always asking Siri questions, may I suggest you ask, what should I ask Tim Cook? Cheers, Mark from Quarry Bank, UK. What should I ask Tim Cook? Ask him if I can hire an assistant, preferably a human. What should I ask Tim Cook? Forget Tim. When do you want to interview me? What should I ask Tim Cook? Do me a favor. Ask him when I'm going to get a raise. What should I ask Tim Cook? It's not exactly a question, but I really hope you guys take a selfie together. What should I ask Tim Cook? What color are your eyes? Are those space gray cornflower, or would you call them aluminum sky? What should I ask Tim Cook? Forget Tim. Why didn't you ask Scarlett Johansson what it was like pretending to be me? All right. Lots of rumors about Apple cutting back on orders, some of which hopefully Tim Cook will address, and that'll be a question I'm sure the analysts are going to ask him on the call. And we'll get to that a little bit later here in the episode, here in a few minutes. But leading up to the call, TSMC, who makes the A9 chip along with Samsung, reported record earnings. There is some belief that Apple shifted the lion's share of production orders to TMC, kind of as a penalty to Samsung for being, well, Samsung. And that with the A10, TSMC is going to be the sole supplier of that chip. Apple Insider had a report titled, Mini Takes Lead in U.S. iPad Sales as iPad Pro Jumps to 12%, Survey Data Says. While Apple will not be breaking out iPad sales on the call, definitely will not be, Consumer Intelligence Research Partners, SERP, took a stab at breaking it out for us based on surveys. The iPad mini lines combined for about 47% of iPads sold. 
the iPad Airlines combined for 40% of iPads sold, and the iPad Pro came in at 12% of iPads sold last quarter. This survey is based on 500 U.S. shoppers who purchased iPads between October and December. It is likely Apple will report an overall decline in iPad sales last quarter versus the year before, which was 21.4 million versus 26 million in the year before that. So what we're looking at in Q4 of 2013 was 26 million, Q4 of 2014 was 21.4 million, and anything over 20 million units sales for the iPad should be considered a win overall. Again, this was recorded Monday night, which now leads us to break, and we'll find out the real numbers in a few seconds, at least from your perspective. All right, and we are back. So how did Apple do last quarter? Revenue was $75.9 billion versus the $74.6 billion a year ago quarter and $51.5 billion last quarter. The $75.9 billion was a new quarterly record for any U.S. company ever, but not that far above where they were last year. Sadly, both Google and Microsoft have not had their reports out yet, so we cannot compare and contrast until the next episode. Apple's cash hoard continues to grow and now stands at $215.7 billion. That's up $10 billion from the quarter, past quarter, where it was $205.7 billion. And the, they generated $27.5 billion in cash flow for the quarter. That's right, Apple in one quarter generated $27.5 billion in cash flow. When it comes to the big item iPhones sold last quarter, there was 74.8 million units sold last quarter versus 74.5 million a year ago quarter, and 48.1 million last quarter. The 74.8 million units has to be looked at as a disappointment. Yes, it's a record, but barely, only 300,000 more than the previous year iPads sold last quarter were 16.1 million units versus 21.4 million a year ago quarter and 9.9 million uh, last quarter. This also will be looked at as a disappointment. Macs sold last quarter were 5.3 million units versus 5.5 million a year ago quarter and 5.7 million last quarter. Again, a disappointment. Some other miscellaneous information from the call. New record for Apple Watch sales, but no number is given, so... Not really a meaningful comment. Over 3,600 apps are now available for Apple TV. Over 100 apps from the IBM First Initiative. In China, sales were very strong last quarter and last year, but then Apple started to see a softening in China earlier this month. That might put Wall Street in a tailspin. Apple is offering guidance of between 50 and 53 billion for the current quarter. That compares to $58 billion for the year-ago quarter. On the lower side, that would be a 14% decline versus last year. That will put the street in a tailspin. And yes, Apple is predicting a decline in iPhone unit sales year-over-year year for the current quarter. iPhone ASPs last quarter were $691 versus $670 ASP from the previous quarter. The $691 ASP was higher than the street's estimates. Those that had an iPhone prior to the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus launch, um, 40% have now upgraded to iPhone 6 or 6S or 6 Plus or 6S Plus. Or 60% have not upgraded and are still using their 4-inch or 3.5-inch iPhones. Based on the numbers through the end of last year, 
Apple has sold 896.7 million iPhones all time and 308 million iPads all time or combined over 1.2 billion iPhones and iPads sold all time. Apple in one of their supplemental reports showed in the last 30 days there were over 1 billion still active iOS devices and Macs and Apple TVs and Apple Watches combined. One of the things I do each quarter is I put together charts showing iPhone and iPad sales all time and past quarters. If you go to the TI app only and go to episode 380, you'll see that PDF in the bonus content. One of the graphs I find most telling is the number of units sold in the last running four quarters. This has been steadily climbing every quarter for the iPhone, except for this last one, where it was at 231.6 million units versus 231.3 million units, meaning we are hitting that flat growth many worried about, and per Tim Cook's comments, we're probably going to see an actual decline next time. For iPad sales, the last four quarters numbers have been in decline for about two years. And last quarter, the drop was the biggest to date, with 49.5 million iPads sold in the last four quarters combined versus 54.8 the quarter before that. And if you go back to the peak two years ago, it was 69.3 million. So we've gone from 49.5 to 69.3 in two years for four quarters of iPad sales. Speaking of things that people put together every quarter, Philip Elmer DeWitt over at Fortune, he gathers up all the analyst guests for iPhone sold. And the winner this quarter for the closest to the actual number of iPhone sold is Aaron C. Rackers of Stifle Nicholas with a guess of 74.71 million units sold versus the actual of 74.8 million units. And the one furthest from the actual number was Avi Popescu. And he had a, what were they, smoking guess of 82.9 million units sold. For the record, on the last episode, my well-thought-out and educated estimate was 79.2 million units sold versus, again, the actual number of 74.8 million units sold. So, yeah, I was not even close. Philip Elmer DeWitt also put together a nice piece showing all the analysts' estimates for how many Apple Watches were sold. Nice but pointless as Apple did not and will not be breaking out that number anytime soon. So who was closest to pin? Well, everyone and no one, as we have no idea what the real number was. By the way, the estimates range from 3.1 million on the low side to 10.5 million Apple Watches sold last quarter on the high side. Yeah, um, lots of general consensus all around on that one, or not. Again, Tim Cook's basic comments when we got to the Q&A were that quarter over quarter, year over year for the current quarter, they're not going to hit last year's numbers. They're going to be below, might be as much as 15% below on iPhone sales, although he was kind of hedging probably in that range. Someone asked if they would be 15 to 20% low, and he goes, well, not that much. So let's say 10 to 15% below for this quarter at least. At the end of the day, what we learned in the call was that Apple just had the best quarter of any U.S. company has ever had, but barely better than a year ago for, the, for Apple. The outlook is positive and the fundamentals are solid. Does that mean Apple will break through the negative sentiment from Wall Street now? Most likely not, as the numbers for unit sales were all disappointing per Wall Street expectations. I guess we'll see what happens, but fundamentally... Apple is solid. Their products are selling much better than all others and making Apple lots of money, lots of 
more money than anyone else is making, which means lots of money for R&D and new great things for them to keep releasing for us. Overall thoughts of the call were Apple was putting a lot of emphasis on the fact that the other foreign exchange rates have really drastically hurt Apple's position. They had one chart that showed basically from a year ago what external or um, outside the U.S. sales where it would have been $100. Now towards revenue this year, because of how the exchange rates have changed, it's now just $85. So part of Apple's decline, as they said, well, it really wasn't decline. It was still a little bit of growth, but it would have been more. It would have been about an 8% growth year over year if there hadn't been those fluctuations in currencies. So I think overall, Apple was trying to say, look, a lot of this decline had to do with fluctuations in currencies. And if you didn't have that, then it was about an 8% growth. But when you look at the numbers, the units sold, it went from 74.5 to 74.8 million units. So it wasn't many iPhones. And iPhone is still the primary driver. Now, granted, those are both really good quarters. We're going to see a decline this coming quarter, part of which Apple said was the fact that last year they were restricted or constrained on how many units they could produce. This year that constraint wasn't there, and they had also launched in more countries last year. More accurately, there were more countries where the current iPhones were launched in the fourth quarter of 2015 than there were in 2015. 14, which meant first quarter of 2015, there were new countries getting the iPhone for the first time. We won't have that this time around. So that's going to be one of the reasons for the decline this quarter versus a year ago quarter. Again, what does this all mean? Well, Apple had really strong fundamentals, but there's going to still be a lot of negativity. I don't think the fundamentals were strong enough yet to break through. We'll see. And after hours trading, Apple stock is down two bucks. We'll see where it ends up a week or two from now where we are when we come up with episode 381, what kind of change there was in the stock price. I guess we'll learn more three months from now at the next conference call. And before we go today, I want to remind you to send in your feedback to the show, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOONDOG. Or record your feedback and email it to the show at todayinios at gmail.com. The feedback can be a question or comment for something someone said on this episode, or it could be a question or rant you have about something else. Nap, a product review, good or bad, as long as it's iOS related, it is welcomed. I'm always looking for new artwork to feature on the show that you've created on an iOS device. Just put some TII branding on it and send it in. And of course, we're always looking for more music created on an iOS device to play on the show, especially with the new um, music app from Apple. This is your show, and your feedback is greatly desired. Also, don't forget to check out our moderated Google Plus community by going to todayinios.com slash community. As I mentioned earlier, Valentine's Day is coming up. You have a special man in your life. Don't forget about Harry's. Go to harrys.com and use promo code TII when you check out to save $5 off your first order. They're not actually sponsoring today's show, but I just thought I'd throw that out there because, ladies, for those special men in your life, they're going to love those Harry's razors. I'm just telling you. Don't forget about the TII app, which is free to you. Search for TII in the iTunes App Store. It is the best way to consume the show and to get push notifications each time a new episode of TII is released. It is fully voiceover friendly, of course. Please go right now and download the TII app. Did I mention it is free? And that, folks, is going to do it for us today. Until the next time, I'm your host, Rob, from Today in iOS, reminding you to phone different. 
This show is hosted on Lipson.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Lipson.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for T-I-I.
Hello Rob, it's Daniel from Wisbeach, Cambridgeshire. It's raining cats and dogs here and I miss California. Okay, Happy New Year to you. Hope everything went well and I just want to share something. So, just outside Warrington, laying in a Premier Inn bath, I noticed the water was depleting. I looked outside the bath and I could see my iPhone 6 making its way out the door. Turns out the bath flooded, flooded the room. Anyway, in other news, I got home and I found uh, an iPhone 5S kicking around. So, dug it out, put it on charge, woe betide, did not charge. I thought, okay, off we go to the Apple store. So, off I went and I produced my iPhone 5S and I said, oh, it's not charging. They uh, recognised it as still part of their product line, which A, I thought was absolutely amazing, but B, better than that, they didn't instantly try to upsell me anything. Oh my, instead, he dug around inside the old lightning part with uh, like a, what only can be described as a foundation brush, not that I use makeup, but I recognised it, and there you go, all it needed was the sensors cleaning up. Well now, here we go. I thought to myself, as I was uh, meandering around, you know, waiting for my time at the Genius Bar, I thought I'll have a little uh, chat to one of the people there, and I said, hello mate, he said, hello, I said, listen, this 5S, no, 6S, sorry, I've got a 5S. This 6S, mate, what's the crack? Tell me about it, talk to me. So he did, he talked to me, and uh, it's got a five megapixel front-facing camera with front-facing flash. I said, tell me more. He said, all right then, what about this? Press your finger down hard, false touch. I said, that looks nice. He said, it's a bit heavy. I said, no, I couldn't tell that. It's part of the haptic engine, apparently. Didn't know what he was talking about. I said, I like it. Five megapixel front-facing camera, you sold me already. So uh, I went about, me, went about my time, had a little meander around again, like I said, just, you know, as you do, because I don't know if you're the same, but I would just go to the Apple store just to have a little walk around and feel the atmosphere, which, quite frankly, is electric nine times out of the ten. So anyway, my genius bar had finished, I'd, I'd had the phone repaired, I stood there and, and this guy, right, I kid you not, yeah, this guy that had helped me talk about the iPhone um, 6S, we did a selfie together, we put our thumbs up, we had a laugh, I slung my arm around him at one point, I thought he was my best mate, I see him there, he's looking at me, and I'm looking at him, and it's like, we had a moment. Like, if there was, like, an 80s romantic soundtrack playing, I'd have probably kissed the bugger. I said to him, do you know what, pal? Get me an iPhone 6S, 128 gig, the most expensive one you got. I felt like a king in the place. I even put my hand up as I said it. He toddled off. I said, I'm buying this phone because of you. And I said that to the manager as well. I said, can I speak to the manager? I said, hey, go over there. He's like the best salesperson in the world. I was going to go to Samsung. I was going to go Google a minute ago. But bloody, I've just spent 800 pounds because of that guy. And I emailed uh, the head office as well. And, and I think I, I CC'd Tim in. But as yet, I ain't heard nothing back from Tim. But I should imagine he's pretty pleased with his staff. Anyway, this was the Apple store in Cambridge in the UK can't remember the guy's name, uh, but he had what can only be described as one of those um, D'Artagnan facial growths, you know, with the old, like, moustache and that bit that runs down the middle part. Not a full beard. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Anyway, whew, blimey. Anyway, quickly, before I go, 2015, what was the best thing that Apple did? For me, it was that back-to thing at the top left-hand screen. You know, like, if you open up Flipboard and then someone iMessages you or something, then you go that message, and then it's got in that top left-hand corner, back to, 
that's the best thing that they ever did in 2015. So there you go, I ain't going to Google, I've just bought an iPhone 6s. I ain't opened it up yet, mind you. I'm uh, gonna gonna wait. I'm gonna I'm gonna flog this iPhone 5s first and then get back to it. All right, hey, love the work, love your face. Oh, side note, have a nice day.